Hello and welcome to Local Enterprise Office Clare Making It Happen podcast. My name is Porik McElwee, Head of Enterprise. This podcast series is about our local businesses and how they make it happen every day. This series is produced and presented by Ger Sweeney, who will now introduce one of our local entrepreneurs. Thanks, Boric. And in this episode, episode three, I visit a company called Anam Coffee, which is based in the heart of the beautiful Burren. One of the founders, Brian O'Brien, commences the conversation by telling me about his business. My name is Brian O'Brien. I'm originally from Shannon, but now living up in the Burren in a remote valley called Kilcorny, which is between uh, Kilfenora and Carron. And I'm Claire's first coffee roaster. We're a speciality coffee roastery. Um, and that means we buy in some really high quality coffee from all over the world. It's all new harvest, new season coffees. So the coffee that we have would have been harvested in the last six months. We roast it here in a way that exaggerates its flavor profiles. We are proud to tell the story of where the coffee comes from and the journey of coffee from places like Guatemala or Colombia to the Burren is quite an incredible one and um, we are on first name terms with all of the farmers that we buy from which we're incredibly proud of so it's a direct trade model that we promote and we raise awareness I suppose of coffee farming issues we pay a lot more for our coffee and luckily we've had incredible support from our friends and neighbours here in Clare, in Galway and in Limerick through, we supply cafes, restaurants, hotels with speciality coffee. It's an incredible journey to make into the heart of the Burren to find this place. Tell me what you have in what I'll call the factory outside. Yeah. Certainly not industrial. Um, no. But the house itself, the cottage here, dates back to 1860. So the original house would have been probably in the Davern family. The Daverns would be well known in, in this particular part of Clare. The DNA is not too far away from here. Mm-hmm. We bought the property back in 2011, 2012. So the house itself is here. There's a number of outbuildings. It would have been owned um, throughout the 70s and the 80s by the Johnson family, who would have really started the business that became Alloway Caves. So they would be well known. Uh, in this area and the house is still known actually as the Johnson's house so it might take us another 40 years before we can change that but the factory itself as you refer to it is an outbuilding that we've purposely converted into a coffee roastery so what that means is you know we had to insulate it we had to put in the machinery that we need to actually roast the coffee to grind it and to package it and it's temperature and humidity controlled um, as well to preserve the the green coffee when it arrives from the tropics. We thought it might be a bit of a shock coming from Brazil to uh, Claire, right. kind of giving it a little bit of support. Right. your voice. So, yeah. I'm a coffee fan. I love coffee. And yep. you've just given me a cup and it's beautiful. Thank you. It is absolutely gorgeous. Explain to me, when coffee comes from Guatemala, Brazil, wherever it comes from, why do you have to roast it? Or is it just to intensify the flavour Or does everybody have to do that? Yeah, if we kind of take it, strip it back. Coffee is a fruit. um, It grows on a bush. And the coffee seeds that we actually roast um, are literally that. They're seeds. So they're quite dense. They break your teeth if you try to bite into them. 
they've full moisture content, maybe about 12% moisture. Um, so by themselves, not really palatable. Probably if you were to lick a coffee bean or a coffee yes. seed before it's been roasted, it'll probably taste a little bit like a, a cereal or a vegetable. So almost like a stone in terms of its density. But when you roast it, then you start to bring out a lot of that moisture content and that moisture content brings flavor. And typically flavors, you know, with coffee um, are very much dictated by where the coffee is actually grown. Right. So coffee from Colombia, for example, is very different to coffee from uh, Guatemala. It's very different to coffee from Brazil. When we first started coffee roasting back in uh, 2014, 2015, you know, the market was very much full of coffee that all tasted pretty much the same. So what we're trying to do is to introduce the idea that actually coffee should taste completely different depending on kind of the terroir it comes from. Very much like wine. Like wine, yeah. Um, But yeah, it needs to be roasted to kind of make it soluble because uh, what you're really doing is you're you're basically roasting the coffee into such a point that it becomes soluble so that you can extract it mm-hmm. and therefore extract the flavors from it and that's really my job as a roaster is to kind of profile those coffees we spend a lot of time being quite geeky when coffees first come in to play with them to find out really what their potentials are for flavor um, I have a small roaster that I'll show you before you go where I do most of my kind of um, geeky work. And that's probably when I'm at my happiest. So what I'll do is I'll roast 100 grams of coffee I've never had before. I'll roast it in maybe three or four different ways, taste it, um, and then start to tweak it and refine it. Um, and that's called profiling. And okay. that typically can take two to three weeks to get right. And then once you have your profile, you then can scale it up onto the production roaster, which we also have. And your customers, who are they? Typically, they are local cafes, local restaurants, um, local hotels, neighbours, which I'm really proud of. You know, we um, when we first started coffee roasting, I think it kind of uh, raised a few eyebrows locally, you know. And I remember somebody said to us, God, we were fierce, brave roasting coffee in a fierce tea drinking part of <laughs> the West of Ireland, you yeah. know. And actually, to be fair, it means more to me when I get a neighbour drinking our coffee than it does when we get some hipster right. cafe in Dublin ordering from us. Um, How does it work then if, you, if you're supplying a particular cafe or restaurant with a coffee? And then you get a new coffee in. Do you have to sell them the new product? Do you have to let them taste it and see? Because, you know, as a customer, I'd say, listen, we'll have a cup of coffee. We'll go down there because they have lovely coffee. Yeah. And when I go in, I don't ask for anything particular. I just yeah. say a coffee with milk or whatever, you yeah. know, black coffee. And so it's, it's a kind of a balancing act. It's a good question. Um, what I would say is... Uh, we also blend. So we have coffees that are what we refer to as single origin, and then we have blends. And the blends that we create here in the roastery pretty much have a very similar flavor profile, you know, year on year. So most of the um, coffee that we wholesale to cafes and restaurants would be a blend. Um, It would be a signature tasting profile that I would have created. We recreate it every six months to 12 months, depending on what new harvest comes in. It won't always be the same bean and it won't always be the same origin. Um, But the flavor profile should be relatively similar. I think uh, we know now what works and what works well, for example, with milk. And the Irish palate is different to palates throughout Europe. Mm. You know, the Irish palate loves a sweet coffee, loves a coffee that works well with milk. And so it was really important when we started roasting that we kind of understood our audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, because my palate and the coffees that I love are very different to the coffees that I wholesale. So we do both. You know, we have a wholesale blend that 
and is very much based on chocolates, nuts, fruit. It's like a, a Cadbury's dairy milk kind of fruit and nut bar. And, and that's a profile that works incredibly well with, with milk. But we'll also have single origin coffees that will taste anything from pear and orange to citrus and lemon to raspberry, strawberry, all sorts of uh, uh, wonderful flavors. <laughs> Absolutely. Not everybody's cup of tea or cup of coffee. coffee yeah. That, yeah, uh, yeah. But um, I suppose what excites me is the potential for flavor in coffee. Mm. And equally that the coffees are not only fresh, they're new harvest and they're, they're being sourced ethically. And that's incredibly important. Okay. What does one have to do to become a roaster? <laughs> besides spend a lot of money on Correct. the roaster <laughs> you know what it's all about palate okay and um, it's about patience and probably perseverance i think i love to travel and that's really where the love of coffee kind of came from um, in a previous career to coffee roasting i worked for an airline so i was very lucky that i was able to, to travel quite a lot and the one kind of common denominator in working away from home or working abroad was always searching out coffee. Okay. Um, so I suppose I developed a palate for coffee. I also love to cook. So sensory evaluation is a really big part of what we do um, and blind cupping in particular. So when you're actually cupping a coffee, you're not being influenced by kind of the origin or even how you roast it. You're doing it completely blind. And then you go back and refer to your notes as to what you liked and what you didn't like. It's all about kind of consistency. There's a lot of chemistry involved. So I suppose going back to your question, sensory evaluation, number one, chemistry, probably number two and a passion or a grow really for um, right. coffee and where it comes from, maybe number three. Does coffee have a personality? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. every single one of them. And, and that's one that we're really proud to, to tell. You know, we spend a lot of time on our website kind of describing the coffees in great detail, not just the flavor profile, but also when you go back to where they actually come from, how they're grown and the people who grow them, you know, those stories are, are incredible. So the provenance of kind of where our coffee okay. comes from is important and that lends itself to the person. And that's taken on so much more importance, hasn't it, in the last 10, 15, 20 years? Absolutely. You know, mm. look, our name is Anam Coffee and Anam is the Irish word for soul and it's very much inspired by the writings of John O'Donoghue and, and um, he had a very beautiful way to look at life in terms of really celebrating all of the positives and and uh, for me when we're looking at where our coffee comes from you know those they're some of the poorest parts of the world so we feel a huge responsibility i suppose to share those stories and to really get consumers to understand why paying more for coffee is uh, is an ethical decision and getting a, a cup of coffee for one euro in a petrol station you know there's a consequence to that so <laughs> it's like buying a bottle of wine for 350 absolutely yeah. but we're, we're just trying to raise awareness you know um, especially for example in a country like um, colombia the average age of a coffee farmer in colombia is 58 very similar probably to ireland and what you're seeing is younger generations leaving farming, leaving remote rural um, parts of, of Colombia, moving to cities and wanting to work for the likes of Amazon or Microsoft okay. and Apple. They have the same dreams and aspirations mm -hmm. and ambitions that we have, you know, here, here in Ireland and the same challenges. And I suppose, you know, we're very proud to support a project in Colombia, actively supporting younger farmers to go back into coffee farming. It's helping them in terms of training, in terms of ergonomics and, and everything that goes with actually growing and growing sustainably. So that's very much at the heart of kind of what we do. And we're influenced by farming, you know, given yeah. where we live here and where we roast in North Clare, we're surrounded by farming. How many people do you have working here? We've two full-time staff now, including myself, and then one part-time. Okay. Um, we're not a seasonal business, you know, we, we 
we're busy throughout the year, but the high season really is probably from Easter through till September. But we'll have a bit of a lull maybe in October and then it kicks off again from November with the okay. Christmas market. Yes. So we have a wholesale business, which is supplying cafes and restaurants. And then we also have an online business, which was incredibly important to us during mm. uh, the lockdown and the pandemic. It's always been a distribution channel that we've had, but one that we probably struggled with, to be okay. fair, raising awareness of. Also, not really giving it the time that it probably deserved to get up and running. But during lockdown, yeah, it literally exploded. Wow. Um, and we're incredibly um, grateful for that because it was really driven by the fact that, you know, folk couldn't get coffee anywhere else. You know, cafes and restaurants and bars and everything else were closed. So they yeah. had no choice but to, to search out coffee online. I'm really grateful that we actually had a website that was up and running and ready not with that in mind but it, we were yeah. just in the right place at the right time part of that might have been encouragement from the people at the local enterprise office in Clare so can we talk about your relationship with with the local enterprise office when did it start yeah it's a it's a really valid point Ger. you know when we first came to the local enterprise office back in 2015 with the idea of starting a coffee roasting business, you know, they were incredibly supportive from day one. Uh, Finn Bartuhi in particular would have sat down with me, would have gone through my business plan in great detail and given me some great feedback in order to for us to, to be able to kind of bring what was an idea into feasibility and following a feasibility study into actually, can we get this thing off the ground? So for about a year and a half, really, before we actually launched, we were in touch with the uh, local enterprise office, uh, who pretty much held our hand in that whole startup journey. Everything from mentoring, as I yeah. say, to actually giving us funding to, to kind of do some studying, to do some feasibility studies. For me also to get myself up trained, because, you know, I wasn't a coffee roaster from uh, leaving right. Cert downwards, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I had to upskill myself. And as part of the business plan, actually at the suggestion of the local enterprise office, you know, there was a um, online trading voucher highlighted or mentioned to me by, by the lads in Ennis. The website wasn't something, I suppose, that was that kind of featured in our whole startup plan, but actually was incredibly important purely from um, the fact that having a website means we've got contact with our consumer base. So when you're a wholesale business, um, B2B, as we have been, you know, we don't always get to meet our, our uh, end user, our customer, whereas on our website, we do. And we have social media channels now where we communicate with that, that consumer base and they can give us feedback. Um, and that's incredibly valuable. Also, you know, to, to mention, I, I suppose during COVID, what was incredibly important about the website was the fact that we had cash flow coming into the business. So when people would buy from us online, you know, we had cash coming into yeah. the bank account before we sent stock out. Um, and that was so important at a time when as a business to business, as a B2B, you're giving credit to a lot of your yeah. customer base. You're sending out stock, but you're not necessarily getting paid for 30 days, which was really frightening. And for a lot of our customer base, they had no idea from a B2B perspective when they would reopen. And they had no idea if they'd be able to pay those invoices. So I can't stress enough the importance, <laughs> the importance of that website. It, it kept us going. So have you looked again at your business since the COVID-19 lockdown and said, well, you know, this has been an integral part of keeping us alive moving forward. How can we make that as big a part again in the business? And, you know, what do you need to do? You can't let your, your business to business business go away. 
But, you know, there has to be, is there a new plan? Yeah, so look, we're in, what, July 2020 now. Yeah. And, and um, you know, we are still in some form of lockdown. I guess we're at stage three, the government like to call it. What we have seen is a huge return from the wholesale side. So the business of cafes and restaurants, yeah. you know, is coming back and coming back in huge volume. But our online hasn't diminished, which is really exciting um, because uh, it would have, as I say, exploded in March. But actually what we're seeing now is a lot of people working from home. And instead of maybe ordering 250 grams of coffee for Christmas, they're ordering kilos of coffee. Ah. So they're drinking a lot more coffee at home, which is, again, a great thing. Mm -hmm. So the way that the website will evolve is looking at more help for consumers who uh, need to, I suppose, teach themselves really how to make better coffee at home. A lot of people will have Nespresso capsule yes. uh, gadgets. We're looking to move them away from those and into kind of more traditional ways of making coffee where they're going to cost a hell of a lot less. But actually the skills of making that coffee has probably been lost. So the website needs to evolve to a point where, you know, we teach people how to make great coffee at home mm -hmm. using our coffee. Right. And I think it also needs to be far more visual. So when we started the website back in 2016, it was very much a website to introduce a new startup, a new business. So a lot about us and a lot about how we source and a lot about speciality coffee and how it's different to what was already in the existing market. I think we can evolve the website now to be much more relevant to not so much be a startup, but to be probably much more about the coffee itself and about kind of using coffee and how do you, how do you brew it properly. A lot more visual, definitely. I pride myself on never being late, but I was late arriving at your gate today. The first thing I said was, I'm sorry. And secondly, I'm guessing that you figured I'd be late because of where you pay, where you are and how difficult it is. My sat-nav didn't even know where you were. <laughs> how do you run a business, particularly an online business in the heart of the burren, without, I was going to say, put on your hair out, but going mental. We won't mention my hair. My <laughs> Nor mine. Um, so, yeah, look, um, I think working in any remote part of Ireland is not without its challenges. You know, we moved from London, um, where I spent over 20 years, you know, okay. following university to come back to County Clare. And we knew coming back home, you know, it was um, not without its uh, challenges. I would say it's not easy. It's not easy to get broadband here. We pay a lot more money probably than you would do, you know, living in Ennis mm -hmm. or in Newmarket or in Shannon. And equally, we suffer from electricity Outages oh, you, quite yeah. often. The weather up here of in course, North Clare yeah. is what it is. We're, we're blessed to be as close as we are to the Atlantic, but that comes with its own paybacks as well. So when there are storms, you know, and we know they're coming, if it's especially an orange or a red warning, that has a big impact on our okay. business. And so we will roast accordingly. Mm. Uh, and I think, look, being a small business, and this, you know, we are really a micro business, we can adapt, we can be very flexible. And, and I suppose you have to be living in, in rural County Clare or anywhere rural on the west coast of Ireland. But we've had a huge amount of support from the local enterprise office. And that probably doesn't differ to a company being based in Shannon in the industrial estate. You know, they've, they've given us the same level of support. Logistics, getting couriers to come here is a challenge. Yeah. Um, and they don't always come. They're due here today and I'm hoping they will be. But it also means you've got to work with them. And we try our best that, you know, I'll get them to call here if we've got a big order going 
out maybe once a week. And then if there's anything else coming in online, I'll take it to Kilfenora, where I know they're traveling through on a daily basis. And the community in the village in Kilfenora are incredibly supportive of us. Right. There's um, shop John O'Gormans, who um, is one of two two shops in um, Kilfenora, and John will allow me to drop off coffee for the courier to, to pick up, and okay. which has been immensely supportive, yeah. you know, and um Kilfenoras have that kind of, you know, it's got that community. So for for all of the struggles that we have, I think the pluses of living remotely and living in a really beautiful part of, mm. of County Clare and being at home, and I suppose also running your own business far away, you know, some of the challenges, they can all be overcome. Absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, four years in, you know, we, we are adapting to the new environment and, and um, continue to evolve, I suppose. You mentioned the social media work that you did during the lockdown. It was enhanced, I suppose you could say. And also your, your, your online business. Where did you get the skills for that? Oh, gee. <laughs> I'd probably argue that, you know, there's still a lot of skills I need to learn with regard to social media. Do you know, a lot of it sure comes to gut. And I think you, you talked earlier about... Um, the personality of coffee mm. but I think people buy from people and I suppose what I've learned about social media is you know that you try and keep it as authentic as possible yeah. so I try and yes we talk a lot about coffee but we also kind of talk a lot about ourselves and where we live okay. and how proud we are of County Clare so when it came to social media we started a campaign I think it was March the 17th on St. Patrick's Day of 2020 I'll never forget it it was the mm. day after Lockdown mm-hmm. was announced. And so on that Tuesday, we decided, look, we need to do something. Most of the cafes that we work with are small family-run businesses. So we knew that if we were hurting, that they were equally hurting. They were forced to close. And we thought, okay, what can we do? And um, We were in, I suppose, the enviable position where we had a website. Most of our customer base on the wholesale side had no um, website and I you know immediately thought okay look what we'll do is we'll look to share some of the sales from our online presence and try and drum up some business and share that with our wholesale market to just support each other you know mm. the whole tagline was you know we're all in this together, this together yeah. and we really were for us it was a frightening time because and for a lot of those businesses we thought they're going to need startup capital to even reopen so we thought, okay, let's try and, and think inventively on, on how we can use our website to get them back up and get them open. And it was, of course, very much in our interest to see yeah, them course, reopen. Yeah. You know? yeah, still. Equally, we had a lot of stock. We were planning ahead. We had just bought in a whole load of new coffees. The roastery was full to the brim with coffee. We had orders for coffee um, that we had roasted and packaged that were boxed up, ready to be shipped. And there were emails and phone calls coming in to say, we don't need the coffee. We're not open any longer. So we're like, okay, we need to shift this. So we need to shift it fast. Social media was really our outlet for raising awareness, not so much as a a cry to help, but it was a cry to support, support us, support those that we support. And the way it works, you, you bought something from us online and then you tell us who you want to share the profit margin with. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah, it was an incredibly successful campaign. In relation to the local enterprise office in County Clare, what do you make of the communication between the people there and yourselves? How would you rate that? I would say that the guys were incredibly supportive when we started up as a business. 
And you could argue that that really should have been the end of their involvement. But actually, that hasn't been the case. Porik McElwee invited me to, to do a talk to some businesses down in Kilrush oh. about the importance of having a website. And this is long before COVID and lockdown, purely based on the fact that, you know, we had used the online trading voucher. And the way that we used it, you know, it allowed us to, I suppose, spend more money on the website. You know, we had support of up to two and a half grand. So that was two and a half grand that I didn't have to pay mm-hmm. out of my own pocket. But it also meant that actually we could do more on our website with that two and a half grand. So we could build, for example, an e-commerce site and yeah. um, we could buy into PayPal and to, to Shopify. And um, it just meant that we had a far more um, robust offering. So the lines of communication between ourselves and the local enterprise office, you know, remains open. Yeah. Finbar was in touch with me immediately when lockdown happened to say, look, here are some of the supports that are oh, wow. available. It's an incredibly valuable relationship and one that we certainly don't take for granted. Do you recall some of those supports that he mentioned when he spoke to you? One would have been the continuation of the online trading voucher. So the way it worked pre-COVID, pre-lockdown was that once you had one online voucher, that was it. Okay. Whereas now since COVID, that's been amended so that businesses like myself have an opportunity to apply for another online a second training, bite at it. a second bite, which means that we can actually take our website from where it was in 2016 and make it more 2020 centric. Lovely. And um, so that's fantastic, you know, that we can kind of evolve the website from that respect. There are also business continuity grants available to small businesses like myself. And that could be anything from buying in a brand new piece of machinery to change really the way that we work. And that's something that we're actively pursuing. You know, now that the online side has become so important to us as a business or as part of our business, it's an important distribution channel. It's a far more labor intensive way of working for us. And so we're looking at getting new machinery that will make us far more efficient in packaging. And that will be driven really from the need of of, uh, the, 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 the increase in volume from the online side. So that business continuity grant will support that, which is fantastic. Magic. If there was one program, if there was one service, if there was one element of the relationship between yourselves and the local enterprise office that stands out for you, that has made the difference big time. Is there one? If there is, what is it? Yeah, it is feasibility. We were very lucky to receive a feasibility grant from the local enterprise office way back in 2015 before we ever got off the ground. Without that feasibility study, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation now. And I remember at the time when I spoke to the lads in in Anison, the local enterprise office, they said to me, it's incredibly difficult to get feasibility funding. I'm not sure if that has changed, but it was the single biggest, the single biggest thing that got us off the ground. I I will never forget the day we got the phone call from Finbar. It was like four o'clock on a Thursday to say (laughs) there had been a meeting where they decide on the allocation of funding. And based at that meeting, you know, our our feasibility uh, application had been discussed and had been approved. And that for me was, I think, December the 2nd, 2015. I'll never forget. Or thereabouts. No, I remember. (laughs) At four o'clock. I I, I can tell you even where I was. Um, But it was pivotal to getting us going. When you are a startup, you know, you face so many hurdles. It's not for the faint-hearted, but to have not only the support, but the backing of a cohort of people who already are, you know, very commercially aware, which the lads are in Ennis. Yeah. It was incredibly empowering. And where... 
99 people will tell you, my God, you're mad, you're stupid, you know, don't do it. They were some of the few that were saying, absolutely, go for it. We believe in you. Um, we really believe that this is something that is worth backing. And that just drives you when you feel like you're knackered and have nothing left. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. That phone call really picks you up and just takes you to the next, Brilliant. next level. And I know that the local enterprise office asks this question regularly of their clients, but is there anything that you can think of that the local enterprise office could do or should do, but is not doing? I think uh, what they could think about doing is to, I, I don't know how to put this. When you work for yourself, you very much work in silo. Um, so, you know, I'm based up here in North Clare and, uh, you know, I'm very much involved in Adam Coffee on a day to day. What would be incredibly empowering maybe once a year is if the local enterprise office were to take me and maybe four or five other business owners, completely different industries, take us away, take us away for a night and um, for training, whether that be on social media, whether it be on online platforms, whether it be on key skill sets. But the reason I would say it needs to be away from our day-to-day environment, it, it, it then allows you to be in a neutral space where perhaps you can think differently and facilitate it, you know, facilitate it with some best-in-class speakers or, or lecturers or people particularly gifted in that particular area. But I, I don't think, um, me, myself, I, I, I don't spend enough time upskilling myself And if that was one thing I could ask of the local enterprise office would be to support me and my career development going forward, you know, could be even in things like um, employee relations, you know, Mm. uh, we took on a a full time member of staff for the first time this year and PRSI and all of that, my God, there are mentoring schemes available through the enterprise office, but that's different. It's kind of a one-to-one. It's an hour session. What I'm talking about is an immersive uh, one or two day, even a leadership program, mm. um, I think would be incredibly valuable. So what now for Adam Coffee? <laughs> Back to work. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't get interrupted by the courier. World, world domination, Jared. No, look, you know. Um. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, I, I want to wish you well. Thank you for talking to me today and for your very concise rundown on what your business is all about. It's a very brave venture in the heart of the Burren, but I, I can see looking around that it has benefits because when there's downtime here, it must be just fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. January is a great time. <laughs> I bet, yeah. With the howling wind and the lashing rain and the snow and all of that. Exactly. All Look, right. we're, we're blessed in, in where we live, but also in the support that we've got locally. So, um, yeah. Before we go, one question for you. For anybody that is listening to this who may have an idea and they think after hearing you or maybe others in, the, in this series, do you know what? I'll go and I'll have a chat with Porik or with um, Sinead or with Mark or whoever. What would you say to them? Yeah, the most important thing is that you do your market research, do it again and again and again and again. I think before you invest in anything, make sure that actually if you're putting money into something that you're going to get something back. You know, we should all really work to live, not the other way around. But equally surround yourself by people who have been on that journey. And if you don't know any reach out to them because um, they will be more than happy, uh, I think, to share. I certainly would be happy to share uh, what I what I wouldn't do again. <laughs> All right. And that's very important. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. So, you know, be brave, believe in yourself, obviously, do your market research, but also reach out to people who you think can help you on that journey as well. And there's a lot of naysayers out there, you know, do your best to kind of um, listen, but, but at the same time, you know, um, yeah. Brian O'Brien. From Adam Coffee. Thanks very much for talking to me. Thanks a million. Now, if you just point me on the way home. Yeah.
Brian is just one of the many entrepreneurs that is making it happen on a daily basis, having availed of some of the supports available through the local enterprise office, Claire. If you have a business idea or maybe you're in business already and require some support, Porrick McElwee and his team would be more than happy to talk to you. Check out their website at www.localenterprise.ie forward slash Claire. There are seven more stories like Brian's in this series and each one shines a light on a Claire-based business and explains how the local enterprise office has supported them through the years. Please take a listen. Thank you for listening to this episode and until next time, from me, Jer Sweeney, and everybody at the local enterprise office, Claire. Bye-bye.